This is Not Worth Living, a podcast that features creatives interviewing themselves with a preset list of questions. Unlike other podcasts that feel like conversation between friends, this one aims to feel like eavesdropping on a psychiatrist's visit. Today's episode features Mike Klein. Would you open an envelope with your death date? Absolutely, as long as I get to use my Richmond cordless electric letter opener. What keeps you motivated? Honestly, the conversations that occur as a result of writing and releasing something, whether it's a conversation I'm having with another author, an artist, or even a reader. Who inspires you at the moment? I'm not inspired by anyone specifically right now. I'm reading a lot of role-playing game modules, specifically those written for the Old School Renaissance, also known as Old School Revival or OSR, and I'm just going to say what Wikipedia calls this as a definition. It's a playstyle movement in tabletop role-playing games which draws inspiration from the earliest days of tabletop RPGs in the 1970s, especially Dungeons and Dragons. My, my father was always a big fan of Dungeons and Dragons. I remember having a lot of the books around the house growing up and I always looked at them without really knowing what I was looking at. And it wasn't until much recently in the last couple of years where I sort of decided to actually get into the idea of Dungeons and Dragons. And right now there's actually a ton going on in the scene. Uh, again, with the OSR stuff, there are a lot of writers and fantastic artists working together, creating some fantastic material that's actually contemporary. And, you know, by this, all I mean is that it's made now and it's not modules that were created 40 or 50 years ago. It's actually stuff that, that is being made right now. All of this keeps me motivated because it's it's a scene that I don't know a lot about. Uh, even now, as I'm reading more about it and actually interacting with some of these creators, I still feel like there's a whole world that I don't know about, and that kind of excites me. There's also a ton on YouTube, and there's a million podcasts about this, and I just think it's sort of riveting and a breath of fresh air for me because it's still something that is fundamentally writing, but it's writing that's meant to be played or experienced with a group. There are some writers in this scene that write for solo playing, but again, the writing has a goal of becoming a game or an experience, just like regular writing. And I'm trying to sort of bridge this gap with my own writing where I want to continue what I've been doing for all these years but at the same time, I want to sort of inject a lot of this energy that I'm seeing uh, in the OSR scene. So there's a lot of internal stuff happening where I'm trying to realize what is it about this that excites me that I feel has been missing from my work all these years. So I'm synthesizing all of these thoughts. And I'm hoping that over time, I'm going to be able to harness that thing that I'm kind of looking for because I have all the ideas and every single day I have even more ideas that I want to sort of implement. And I just want to make sure that what I end up producing is the best version of that thing. And honestly, for those listening who don't know what I'm talking about, the old school renaissance or old school revival scene, please do check it out. If you if you spend enough time looking at everything that's offered, which there is a lot of, I promise that you will find, if not one thing, multiple things that sort of will seem interesting to you. What's your latest project? Well, with uh, everything I was just talking about, the thing I've been working on the longest is this sort of choose-your-own-adventure style book 
where I don't necessarily want it to look like the old Choose Your Adventure books. I've been talking with a frequent collaborator of mine, Dan Hoy, and we have a project that we've been working on for years now where we are trying to implement that same type of design into the work while still trying to do our own thing and making sure it does not look like something from 30 years ago, right? The biggest challenge for me or hurdle, I guess, is that I'm always trying to do something new or different with any new work I am focusing on. And right now there's a fear of alienating my current audience and also maybe failing at this because I understand the fundamental aspect of choosing your own adventure or having a sort of agency ascribed to the reader in the text. But at the same time, I'm not entirely sure how to do this. I, I have always written texts that are just meant to be read from front to back. And with this style, the idea is that you flip through and experience multiple stories or endings and meet different characters. And uh, you don't necessarily get to see the whole thing in one, two or three goes. And I'm trying to make this as interesting as possible while still keeping and making my own thing. And I thought it would be easier than it is, but it's not. Again, this is something I've been trying for quite a long time right now. I'm finally making progress, and, and I, I do like where it is headed. But at the same time, I don't know how I'm going to feel about the newest iteration of what I'm working on in a couple weeks. There have been dozens of times where I end up liking something, I wait a little bit, I come back to it, I dislike it very much, I stop everything, wait and then start over. It's been a lot of this lately, which is totally fine. And what I do in between working on the writing is I will do music. Every single evening, I create these mini exercises for myself where I record a 30-second track, and I'm just trying to do something interesting for myself. And it's also so I can stay sharp when it comes to the music-making process. I remember, I think it was in 2016 or 2017, I, I bought a Dave Smith Instruments Prophet 08, and it's a physical keyboard synthesizer. I was recording every single night for multiple hours without using a computer. I would plug it directly into a tape machine, and I would just play for hours. I think I have, I don't know, maybe 30 or 40 cassettes in the garage of just these tracks that I would record in one go. And I realized over time that not recording with a computer, while it can be fun, also took a lot of my time. And right now, time is not something I have a lot of. So I have gone back to working on the computer. And a lot of what I do in the evenings with these musical exercises would take me hours when I'm recording straight to cassette. And right now, my focus is I just want to try as many different things that I am thinking of as possible without being limited by cassette or analog. So for the time being, that's sort of what I'm focusing on. In addition to the music stuff, what I'm doing in between the writing process is I also will create visuals. Every single time I release a book, I am 100% involved in how the cover is going to look, whether I end up designing the cover myself, the publisher designs the cover, or we hire an artist to do the cover. And I would say that on a weekly basis, I save several images onto my hard drive that I want to look at later in time, whether it's a week down the road or maybe a year from now. But it's essentially images that I look at and for some reason, something about that image speaks to me. And I just kind of put it 
in a bank that I can open up later to, you know, sort of, sort of uh, um, inspire me, if that makes sense. But yeah, my, my latest project is basically me trying to come up with a version of all the different texts and images that I have been um, devouring from the OSR community. And I have no idea what the end product is going to look like or when it's even going to come out um, or how I'm going to even release it. One thing I don't talk about enough that I sort of want to hit upon right now is uh, December of 2022, I released Agbog Bloshi by myself. This is the first time that I've ever released anything by myself. And by that, I mean, I wrote it, printed it, distributed it myself. Uh, it was limited to 50 copies. I did that because I did not know if there would be an interest in something I made myself that I consider to be a shorter work. Everything sold out within a day and a half, which was amazing. And I, this is, it sort of allowed me to see firsthand the interest in, in, in something that's come out, you know, because when you work with a press, you don't necessarily get to see the numbers. You may have someone reach out to you or post a picture showing that they've received your book, but you don't really get to see the numbers firsthand. At least I usually don't ask for that information from the press. But since I was directly involved in all this, it was amazing to see how quickly the book sold out and also being able to engage with each person individually uh, who bought the text. And, and I know that this is something that I want to try to do again, just to see if it was really a thing that happened and it was a fluke. At the same time, I really do like that I'm able to control exactly how the text is going to look. I can decide how I'm going to print it, where I'm going to print it, and what I'm going to do with it. And if there are issues, it's entirely up to me to fix those issues, and I'm not relying on anybody else. Is it a lot of work? Yes, it's totally more work. It took me maybe three times longer than it should have because I was controlling all aspects of the release, but the final result was absolutely worth it. So for this new thing I'm working on, I, I am probably leaning more toward doing another self-release if I'm able, because it also does cost substantially more money. I have, you know, you have to put all that money up front, which a press would normally take care of for you. But if I'm in another position where I'm able to put up that money and release the project as I would like, I think that's what I'd prefer to do. At the same time, when the project is finally done, if I feel that it is something that would work very well with a certain press or a specific audience, I might also go that route. So it's really all up in the air, but I'm very glad that I have these options that I'm able to sort of think about. I know that since releasing Agbog Bloshi, I bought a very fancy printer and I've been consulting on and off with M. Kitchell, who is a writer, artist, and performer as well. We've been talking, like I said, on and off about printers. He actually has the previous model of this new printer that I bought. So he, he kind of vouched for it and said that it was worth it. We've also had discussions about the nicest paper to get. I have tons of samples of paper around me at all times. And part of the fascination is just being able to touch and smell all these different types of papers, but also wondering what type of paper will work best for your specific project. And this is something that I don't know that a lot of writers or even presses or publishers necessarily care about. 
I know that with print on demand, you're kind of just limited to the options provided to you. And most of the time it's a choice between white and cream paper. And even then, I don't know a lot that a lot of writers care about that. But for me specifically, I do care a lot about the paper type and even the ink that's used. I even care about the type of binding and if staples are used, what kind of staples are used. Uh, again, I've had, I've had discussions with M. Kitchell about cutting paper and I've looked at devices that cost $50 and I've seen some that cost tens of thousands of dollars and I dream of owning something in between one of these days because cutting paper by hand while it does have its charm is always going to be imperfect and for smaller projects that's absolutely fine but I would love to have a machine that is always going to cut the paper for me exactly every single time and I don't have to think about it. It sounds like a very silly thing, but honestly, that would be one of the best things for me. I would love to be able to own something that does that consistently. If money was no object, what would be your dream project? Well, very obviously, I'd like to run my own press. Uh, I have a lot of ideas for this. Right now, it would be impossible to do with everything else that I'm doing, but if I could do this full-time, and money was no object. I already know who I would hire as editors, artists, copy editors, and there are several other weird positions, but I already know who I would grab for those positions and what we would do. Um, obviously, I would do all the printing in-house, and whenever a new release is about to come out, I would send that writer to our podcast department because there's a podcast department, and we'd have our own internal podcast person interview them, right? So kind of like this format right now, we know exactly what questions we would ask because the questions are things that would sort of reveal more about the writer as a person, but also the project they are working on and potentially what else they might be working on. I would also have a sort of journal type thing that would come out with each writer's new release as like a supplemental bonus, right? If you're ordering straight from the press. Uh, you know, we'd ask them questions about themselves and other writers they like or admire, and this would show up in that journal type thing. I know that A24, that company that releases a lot of amazing movies, does something similar with all of the people who work with the company. But essentially, I would just like to imagine different ways to do things that I feel a lot of small presses are not able to do right now, obviously because of money and time constraints. Because, you know, this question says... If money was no object, what would be your dream project? I, I think to add to that, if money and time was no object, what could you do? Uh, so these are things that I would love to do, and I think that it would really elevate each project in ways we have yet to see, honestly. Is there a quote or a motto that you work by? I guess I don't ever consciously think about a quote or a motto, but if I had to pick one right now, for me, it's just do the work. I have found, especially for artists and writers that I personally follow regularly, I would say that generally speaking, I am most impressed by the releases that come out that I have not seen a work in progress or a snippet of. Essentially something that they have been working on that they may have told close friends about, but they didn't post pieces of it online. It just came out when it was ready. 
again, I'm only speaking for myself, but these are the projects that I have felt I've enjoyed the most. It's, it's hard to explain, but again, this just goes back to this idea of the motto. For me, it's just do the work. You know what you need to do. You need, you know how you want to do what you want to do. Just do it and believe in yourself. And, you know, that is, I think that's, that's, that's what, that's the best thing you can do for yourself as a creative. What do you do differently from other people? I guess this sort of ties into my previous comment about the motto and just doing the work. I tend to, there are two things I think that I do that most people don't do, at least in this scene. I don't usually talk about what I'm working on. For this particular interview right now, I'm in an exception because it was one of the questions and I wanted to talk more about the influences that have led me to where I am right now with the project I'm working on. But generally, I don't post snippets or segments or portions of what I'm working on or even talk about it, not even to my close friends. I usually wait until I am 99% done with the project, and then that's when I start showing it to the people that are going to be involved in the process of making it become a real thing. I've seen a lot of comments on Twitter, posts rather, I guess, lately about beta readers someone or several people who will read your text for you before it comes out so you can make changes and edits. And I think this is a wonderful thing. I, there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, I, I think I should, I would like to do more of that. But yeah, I usually don't talk about my project until it's done. I think that also comes with my process. I usually do all the editing and layout. So when I'm done, I don't, my manuscript is not just a Word document that has regular formatting. It's formatted exactly as it's going to look on the page. Of course, if the dimensions of the paper change, we got to make some changes. And I usually work with the editor or publisher in that regard, but I pretty much offer a visual representation of the final product. So I'm very much involved in how I want it to look. I don't know if that has anything to do with me not showing or talking to anyone about what I'm working on, but the words and how they appear on the page are just as important to me as what the text or story itself is about. So it's a 50-50 divide for me. I may like the story that I wrote and what it's talking about, but if it doesn't look right on the page, I'm not satisfied. And same thing if you flip it. If it looks amazing on the page, but I don't like the words that I used or how the story is being told, I will not be satisfied. I, I did say that there were two things that I do that I don't think others do. And the second thing is I don't really publish short stories or short works to online journals. The, the reason for this is very simple. I prefer releasing something a bit longer, even though the stuff I write is usually shorter than what most people release. But I prefer to write something that's more long form and that's going to become a physical object. I have this thing about having a tangible thing that you can hold in your hand and there's nothing wrong with publishing with online journals it's just that I spent a lot of energy on the one project that I want to turn into a physical object and I kind of have to focus on that for a very long time and deviating or straying from that kind of interrupts the process for me so I don't really know that I'm capable of stopping and going and doing different things of course as I mentioned previously, I can be working on a 
thing I'm writing. I can also work on music and I can also work on something visual. But for each category, I kind of have to focus on one thing at a time. And that's just how I operate. I've tried doing it differently over the years, but I've always come back to just focusing on one thing until it's done. And I have found that that's what's worked best for me. At the end of the day, there's really no manual for how to write. You truly get to do your own thing. And one of the beautiful things about the year 2023 is that we are all connected on the internet, whether we like it or not, right? There's good and bad things with all that, but I'm able to have a conversation with somebody anywhere in the world. And at the same time, I'm able to order a book from pretty much anywhere, again, in the world and receive it within a certain amount of time. And I just think that that's amazing and something that we sort of lose sight of, just how amazing technology is and has become. There are a lot of problems for sure with how fast things are moving, but there are also a million advantages. For me, the biggest thing, which is a comment I made earlier, being able to have a conversation with writers and readers and artists is an amazing thing for me. And there is a certain type of dialogue you're able to have when it's not a in real time conversation. So when you are DMing someone or messaging them through text or even just tweeting back and forth, it creates a different type of interaction that you can always look back on. And I know that it took me a while to sort of develop this language to talk this way with people online, but it has been very beneficial. I have made friends over the years because of how easy it is to talk to everyone. And I've learned a lot. And all I can say is that I'm really excited for the next handful of years because I honestly do not know what's going to happen with this scene. It seems that it's growing at a steady pace where lots of great and fantastic things are happening. I'm very happy that there are new writers emerging every single year. I'm also really impressed by the number of writers who keep on writing, who have been around forever. It's, it's an amazing thing that the big publishing companies still exist right now. And you have, you know, the writers who make writing their living, who are getting paid a lot of money. And most of the time their writing turns into movies. It's, it's amazing that we exist in a time where all of that is happening and we are still also able to do our own thing with our own rules. It's, it's a lot to take in and a lot to think about. I feel super lucky to even be able to say that I'm part of this community. And I, I really hope that uh, I can continue to navigate through the waters of the independent literature scene. Ira, thank you for creating this interview format. Thank you to everyone who's listening. I, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. As an aside, I'm always really interested in hearing about new projects. So if you have something that you are working on that you think would be very interesting, please let me know. I like cool stuff. Please also check out the other writers who have been featured on Not Worth Living. It's a great format. I have enjoyed listening to all of them up to this point and will continue doing so.